Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Say the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Judges chapter 2. Now we're going to go back to Joshua in a second, but we're going to start out in Judges chapter 2. Last week I told you that, that I went to, the, uh, went to a ranch to have a job interview. And so the, the ranch manager said, hey dude, I'll be down at the I'll be down at the pens. You just kind of pull into the ranch. This is how you get there. Whenever you get there, don't kind of come to a T intersection at the headquarters, turn left, come down to the pens, and that's where I'll be. See, senor. So I get there, and, and, and I come pulling up in my, in my truck, and um, there, there's the ranch manager. He's getting on a colt. I mean, he is just, I mean, literally, as I'm pulling up, he's cheeking this colt around. Now, if you don't know what cheeking a horse around is, um, it's not goosing him or anything. It's where you take the, the bridle or the headstall or the hackamore, whatever you're using. You grab a hold of it and you kind of pull his head around. And then you step up. And that way you've already got his head turned. If he goes to pitching, it's just in a circle. So anyway, he's cheeking this colt around. So the last thing I want to do is come up there and slide into a stop, you know, like Duke's a hazard or anything. So I kind of creep up there and, you know, I kind of shut the engine off and then you put it in park, you know. I mean, I, I'm trying to be as quiet as I can because it probably, I mean, this is just a, a scientific guess, but it probably would not benefit me if I'd have gone, about that time on the horn or anything. So I'm trying to be real quiet and everything. So I get up there and I shut the truck off. and I sit there and I'm thinking, well, do I get out? You know, because, I mean, that's going to make noise and it's going it's to kind of, you know, draw the horse's attention. So I kind of sit there for a second. And then I thought, now I'm going to look like a weirdo just sitting in the truck looking at him. So I kind of opened the door and I stepped out. And then I thought, man, you... Don't slam that door, whatever you do. So I went around the door, and I grabbed a hold of the door, and I was just going to push that door shut, and I went, poof, and I shut my thumb in the door. Now, you notice how my hand is like this. My thumb was down. Now, you can't turn around when your thumb's down hung in a truck door. It is hurting like, oh, get out. I'm turned around like, like this, and I'm thinking, oh, my gosh. He's going to see me standing here like a gunsel with my thumb caught in the door. So I stand there like this for a little while. And then whenever the horse went the other direction, I leaned back like this. And I went to open the door and the door was locked. I would like a volunteer so we could all go outside to see how that feels. So I'm standing there and I reach for my keys. You notice my keys are in my left pocket. That's where I keep them. Except whenever I go to a job interview. Because whenever I go to a job interview, they're in my right pocket. So not only is my thumb caught in the door, and I can't turn around, the door is locked, I'm trying to fish my keys out, and every time you move, it's just like somebody's hitting that thumb with a hammer. And I was just like, oh my gosh. So I got the keys out. Now try to get the dadgum key in the lock when you can't see it with your thumb caught in the door. You have to be a skilled ninja to do this. Luckily, I was a skilled ninja. And, and it, it only took me three or four minutes. I only cried just a little bit. So I finally got it in there and you know I unlocked it and got my thumb out of the door. 
And about, and luckily, because about this time Kenneth is getting off the horse, he's, he's kind of unsaddling and everything, and he turns it into this little pen, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like this. And I mean, it's like, just hurting like all get out. So Kenneth comes walking up to me, and I'm like, Lord, if there is any grace and mercy in this universe, please do not let him see that I had slammed my thumb in the door. And he comes walking up, and he's like, hey, Kevin. I said, hey, Kenneth. He reaches out his hand, and I reach out his hand. And like a typical cowboy, guess what he does? He just squeezes that thumb, and I was like, nice to meet you. (laughs) It sounds silly, but that was one of the worst pains in my entire life, mainly because the part that I didn't tell you is where I shut it and the door was right where the latch was, and the little latch had nearly broken the tip of my thumb off whenever it, you know, it has a little bar and that latch that goes over it. My, the end of my thumb was in that thing. And so it was, it was painful. But today we're going to talk about something else that can be just as painful, and we're going to talk about how people get... I kind of hurt myself all ago. I've got phantom door pains. We're going to be talking about how you get trapped. And we're going to look in Judges of how that happened. And then we're going to jump back to Joshua and see how he had warned them that if they did this certain thing, that they too would be trapped. Now, I want to tell you something. There's a lot of people here that I know personally. I love every one of you, and and I know that you're doing a really good job of trying to follow God and stuff like that. There's some more of you that I don't know real well. There's, I mean, most of you on the Internet I don't know at all. And, And you may be kind of unsure about how to follow God and and um, do what he says. And there's some of you that's just like, you know what, I, I don't even know if I want this or not. I don't even know really why I'm here. I don't know why I'm watching. I don't know why I'm listening on the radio, whatever the case may be. And I'm, the reason I'm saying all this is because about halfway through this thing, I'm going to say something that you're not going to like. You, everything in you is going to go, Nah, wait a minute. I don't know if I like that or not. So before you get up and leave, either right now or when that magical time comes, please hear me out before you jump to a conclusion and take off towards the door. Okay? So, please. In Judges chapter 2, it starts out and it's kind of giving a rehash of everything that happened in Joshua. Um, you know, and and it's God talking and God, I'm just going to paraphrase kind of a bunch of verses because I'm not one to just sit up here and read, but, but God says kind of this, I did exactly what I said I would do. And I told you to get rid of all the people that live there, but you didn't. Now they will be thorns in your side. Okay. That, that, that was God's whole deal. We're talking about going into the promised land. This is part three of a, of a, part three, part six of a sermon called Into the Promised Land, talking about how we can use the promises of God to be everything that He wants us to be. And we talked about how we get right up to our promised land, just like the Israelites did, and we get right up there fixing to have everything that God wants us to have and be everything that God wants us to be, and then fear turns us away. 
And some of you have spent the 40 years in the desert like the Israelites are, and you're just coming back. Does that sound familiar? And then we get into the, the promised land, and, and we talk about how sometimes people, they want to follow God, but their past, they just think that their past is too much. Well, we learned about a hooker named Rahab that ended up being an ancestor of Jesus. Because Rahab married this guy named Salmon, and Salmon and Rahab had a son named Boaz, and Boaz had a son named Obed, and Obed had a son named Jesse, and Jesse had a son named David. His first name was King. That was funny. <laughs> King David. King David. Okay. All right. Everybody stand up. We're going to do some jumping jacks. Okay. So, anyway. And, and then we talked about how, you know, the... A lot of people, they want just enough God to, to get them out of a wreck. They want just enough Jesus to get them into heaven and just enough Holy Spirit to have a prayer answered. We talked about how having just enough isn't near enough. Today we're going to talk about having a choice and being trapped. Now like I said, in, in, in the first part of Judges, God says... I did exactly what I said I would do. And I told you to get rid of all the people that lived there, but you didn't. Now they will be thorns in your side. And in Judges chapter 2, 11 through 13, it says this. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt they went after other gods, worshiping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. The, they abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtoreth. Now, who is Baal? He was a god that these Canaanites worshipped. And, and if you think back to the, to the story of Sodom and Gomorrah, you know, uh, God, the, the angel of the Lord goes to Abraham and says, Hey, um, I, I'm fixing to go over here and, and open up a can of hellfire and brimstone on Sodom and Gomorrah because that place is just nothing but pure evil. Abraham says, Wait a minute, what if there's some good people living there? If there's 25, will you spare it? And God says, Yeah, I'll spare it for 25. And he says, Well, if you'll spare it for 25, will you spare it for, you know, 15? So Abraham's a horse trader, right? He's horse trading for God. And it all comes down to Lot is the only one, Abraham's nephew. And so uh, God tells Abraham, you can, I'll go get Lot out, all right? So the angel of the Lord, they, they go in there, and they walk into Lot's house, and these people start banging on the door saying, send these newcomers out that we may have sex with them. These people are filthy, dirty, perverted. They sacrifice their own children to this God named Baal. I mean, we don't really, I don't think that we can actually comprehend how twisted these people were. And God wiped out Sodom and Gomorrah. These are the same people. And later on, God tells Abraham, you know what? I'm not going to give you this promised land here yet because the sins of the Amorites has not reached its full capacity. Meaning, they're just, they're not going to learn from this. They're going to keep going. So imagine if it was that bad for God to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, add 400 years of these practices onto it, and that's who was living in the promised land. 
That's why God said, go in there and get rid of them, man. They're a virus. I know their hearts. They've been doing this for 400 years. They will not turn. It doesn't matter if I stood before them. They will not turn from their evil ways. So if you want this promised land, you've got to get them out of there. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight and served the images of Baal. They abandoned the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt. They went after other gods. Worshipping the gods of the people around them, and they angered the Lord. They abandoned the Lord to serve Baal and the images of Ashtaroth. Or Ashtaroth, I don't know how you say it. Something like that. The best way I can describe this is if you put the old cliche, if you put a rotten apple in a barrel of good apples, does the, all the good apples, does it turn the bad apple better? Uh-uh. It's the other way around. You put something bad in a barrel of good apples and before long those apples closest to it get infected and then those and it just kind of spirals out of control and this is what happened to the Israelites at first they did exactly what they were told they were wiping everybody out but as time went on they started saying well you know what y'all can stay here but you're just going to be our slaves or they were like, well, that's too much trouble, so we're going to have all this part, and y'all can have this. You can stay here, but you can just have this little part over here. They were leaving the bad apples in the barrel. But you know, here's the question. The big why? The big why? Because, I mean, think about this. I mean, is not the same question running through all of your minds after seeing all of this stuff, I mean, their ancestors had been spent 400 years as slaves in Egypt and God sent down all those plagues and the locusts and the, the angel of death with the Passover and all of the firstborn sons died unless the blood of the lamb was over the doorpost. And then you go to the Red Sea and, and, and they, God splits the Red Sea. And, and I, I said this the other day, I, I loved it. There were some scholars that said, well, at that time the Red Sea was only about two feet deep. So it really wasn't a miracle. And another guy said, actually, if that was the case, it's an even bigger miracle because the entire Egyptian army drowned in two feet of water. <laughs> so whichever way you want to look at that. So they, they see all of that and they get right up to the promised land. And, and God says, don't worry about how big those fellas are. Go in there. Jason mentioned it, the giants. And they're like, well, we can't do that. So God takes them back out into the desert. But even in the desert, he takes care of them. He feeds them angel food. Now, I'm not talking about the cake talking about these little wafers that they don't have to, I mean, they just fall from heaven and you gather some up and then he fed them some quail and I'm sure he threw in some bacon, you know, well, maybe not bacon, they weren't supposed to eat pork, but maybe a bacon substitute or something, you know, I mean, some salty something, beef, beef jerky. But after everything that God had did for these people, they get in there to the promised land where, where grapes grow on such big bunches that they have to, it takes two men to carry one bunch of them. And they just abandon the Lord. Why? They turned to the God of the Canaanites and abandoned the Lord to follow Baal. This, this make-believe God that said you had to sacrifice your own children. I mean, my gosh, this is horrible. Why? You know, I mean, th this is like having... I mean, I, I tried to come up with some just absurd things that we could put this in into an illustration. And it's like being given a million-dollar mare, be given a million-dollar mare and breeding her to a Roman-nosed, three-legged, nappy-looking donkey. 
Okay, that, that's, that's about what it would be like, okay? Or, or maybe taking this, the, the biggest, nicest, doodly pickup you can think of, and instead of putting a gooseneck hitch in it and hauling around your living quarters horse trailer, you put a camper on it and drop it about this, lo- about this low to the ground and drive it around. I mean, it's just a waste. It's absolutely a waste. It's like having one wish and wishing for one Oreo, but not even the side that has the good stuff on it, just the black side. I mean, this is insane what these people are giving up. It's like asking for a tomato when a bottle of ketchup is readily available. I mean, it just is. I mean, that's as, that's as, that's as good as I can do right there. You know, tomatoes are the devil's fruit. A lot of people don't know that. Tomatoes are devil's fruit. The only way you can eat them is if they've been sanctified with jalapenos and salsa or baptized in vinegar to make ketchup. If you eat tomatoes, though, God will forgive you. How could they do this? How could they run off after everything that they've seen, after everything that they've experienced? How could they run off and follow something else? But don't we do the same thing? We are in the shadow of some of the most beautiful mountains God ever made. And most days, all we can think about is our problems. We see the miracles of God called children, and we get mad because they don't do exactly what we tell them to do. A little ironic, huh? Don't we do the exact same thing. God promised us everything, and, we, and yet we chase after things of no importance and things that will hurt us. See, turn if you got your Bibles, you're in Judges chapter 2, turn back to Joshua chapter 24. Because there's a really famous question that I'm willing to bet that a lot of you have hanging on your wall. And that famous question is found in Joshua 24, 14 and 15. Joshua's talking and he says, Now therefore fear the Lord, serve him in sincerity and in truth, and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the river in Egypt. Serve the Lord. And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. What's the next part? And as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Now, (laughs) what I think is funny is they leave out part of that verse. And it seems... And if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, I think that we've realized through this study of the promised land that we're not that much different from the Israelites. We have God do amazing things. I've heard testimony after testimony, which is a fancy way of saying cowboy story. I've heard some of your stories, cowboys, about how God has reached into your lives and changed you. And I've seen uh, you ladies, you cowgirls, that, that you see a difference in your husband now. You feel a difference in you. I know that some of you were once lost and, and now you've found some people in your following of God, people that, that, that think like you do, that you can love. and I mean, it's just amazing. Yet, it's so easy to turn our backs on what God says to do and the way he says to do it, and we go a different direction. It's not that far-fetched. Now, here's the unpopular statement that I told you about. Please don't get up. Head for the back door. Please do not shut off your computer. Don't turn off the radio. Let me explain, but I'm just going to say it right out. You were made to be ruled. You were made to be ruled. You were made to serve. And I'm telling you right now that you will be serving something. You will be ruled by something. No ifs, no ands, no buts about it. Yeah, and I mean, now, 
you, you may be saying, nah, I don't care what you think, preacher. Ain't nobody going to rule me. You're already ruled by pride and anger. Automatically. Ain't nobody going to tell me what to do. <laughs> already happening. Split second. You have already showed your God. I believe in me and what I think above whatever thing else. Our rulers oftentimes are pride, anger, lust, envy, greed, laziness, drunkenness, gluttony. I mean, we, we can just keep on, keep on, keep on. A lot of us, those are our rulers. Those are whom we serve. And we, and a lot of you is like, well, oh, well, that may be true, but you know, you're just kind of as semantics, you know, because ain't none of us perfect, right? No, but that doesn't mean you have to be ruled by your sinful nature. Because whenever you come to God, you are no longer ruled by your sinful nature. That does not mean that we won't slip up and fall down flat on our face sometimes, but we are not ruled by that. And you might be saying, well, they, they, they worship Baal. They sacrifice their children and everything. You know what? Here in America, we sacrifice our children for the sake of our jobs every single time. People work 50 hours a week and miss their children growing up. Don't say that we don't sacrifice our kids, because we do. Maybe not in the same sense, but we do. Here's how it works. This is how it happens to us, and this is how it happens to the Israelites. We get trapped with our thumb in the door, but this time... There is no key readily available in our right pocket. We are trapped nonetheless because, see, sin seems good and we let it in. See, everybody thinks that sin is like this ugly, virus, oozy, gloomy, sucky stuff, moldy. Uh-uh, man, sin is beautiful. Lucifer, Satan himself was the most beautiful angel in heaven. Sin never is ugly whenever we first see it. Man, it's like, I mean, we, we walk in there and look at sun, oh, sun, sin with the biggest beer goggles in the world. I mean, we're like, hey, look at that, you know? And some other people are over here going, hey, man, don't do that. That's going to get you in a wreck. Ah, oh, man, it'll be all right. It'll be fine. See, sin seems good, and we let it into our lives. And it feels good. To kind of, you know, let yourself go and just do whatever you want to do. You know, man, to heck with everybody else. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. I'm going to do all this. And before you know it, sin has you wrapped around its finger. And no matter what you try to do to stop it, you can't let it go. Now it is ruling you. Where do you think... Uh, addictions come from? Where do you think these, these suicidal thoughts come from? It's just, man, sin gets a hold of us and, and blocks out the love of God where we can't see it. Where do you think a lot of this depression comes from is that we can't see that God loves us. Sin becomes our ruler. But see, we have a choice of who we will serve or who will rule us. You can choose sin. You can choose unrighteousness. You can choose bad things, wrong things. You, you can even choose, and, and I know people, and, and, and I have said this, so I'm not picking on anybody, not that I have, I don't even know who would say this. I just know that you have because I have. How many times have you said, somebody said something about God, something right out of the Bible, and you said, well, I don't really believe that. We've all done it. We, every single one of us have done it. You are free to say that. That does not make it right or wrong. You are free to do whatever you want to do. 
You are free to serve anybody you want to serve, anything you want to serve, and you are free to be ruled by those things that you serve. And trust me, you will be. You can choose sin, unrighteousness, bad things, wrong things. You can even choose to believe that you are God and what you believe is right and wrong. All of this leads to slavery under a cruel and evil dictator. Or you can choose God. Because see, here, here's, the, here's the main thing. When you decide, when you choose to follow God, when you let Him rule you because you were made to be ruled, you are going to be ruled by something. And you are going to serve something. Absolutely serve and be ruled. But see, God is the only one of all of that stuff that we talked about that'll let you go if you want to go. Think about that. He will let you go. He doesn't want you to go because He knows that under His rule, when you follow Him, when you serve Him, that that is the ultimate freedom that can be had. He absolutely sets us free. We will soar on wings like eagles. We shall run and not walk. See, under God is following His way, His will, His rule. That is the only way you will ever, ever, ever experience freedom. And He is the best ruler, the kindest ruler that ever was, because number one, He's God. But He is the only ruler you will ever come across that says, if you want to go, you can go. Hang on to your hats, cowboys. For the first time ever, you can now hear the entire message unedited with every laugh and nugget of wisdom Save the Cowboy has to offer. All you got to do is go to SaveTheCowboy.com and click on Podcast right there on the homepage. You can listen right there or subscribe and never have to worry about missing another story. Pull the truck over, rest your horse, or put down that hot shot and do it right now. Go to SaveTheCowboy.com and ride with us every week down that narrow trail. Until then, this is Kevin Weatherby. See you next time. Today's message was brought to you in part by Rod and Brenda Denning at Hitchin Post Hay. Call them for all your hay needs at 303-324-8217. And if you'd like to become one of our radio sponsors, contact us by going to SaveTheCowboy.com and sending us an email or call 303-621-0133. Thanks, pards.